we often hear that if you're going to be successful, you have to do what you love. But how do you get to do what you love? What's the process behind it? In this episode, we're going to give you six questions to ask yourself to get to do what you love. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We are so glad you took some time from your busy schedules to tune in. And now we're going to get to point number one. So the first question you need to ask yourself before you get to do what you love is, do you love what you're doing now? And I'm guessing probably not if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you do, you can, you can skip the rest of the podcast and you can just wait till next week and tune in. <laughs> so this is your starting question. Depending on your answer, you basically have three choices. So I'll let you explain that, Sebastian. Yeah, well, that, that's the first, your starting question, right? Do you love what you're doing right now? If you do love it, then by all means, keep going. Keep doing it while pursuing to perfect yourself and add new skills that will make you even more efficient at it. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. I mean, if you love it, you should keep doing it. Whether you're a janitor or the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if you genuinely love what you're doing right now, you're in the right place. However, and I, and I must give a little word of warning here, be honest with yourself. I've known some people who are actually dissatisfied with what they're doing, but they pretend like they're happy with it in order to avoid facing their reality and what it could mean to change it. So there's some people you ask them, do you love what you're doing? Oh, I love my job. I love my job. I love my... They don't really love their job. They're just saying that not to lose face. Because when you tell people I hate my job, they're going to look at you and like, well, well, why don't you change? Or why don't you apply somewhere else? Or why don't you try something else, right? So some people lie to themselves and they lie to others. They're basically hurting themselves, okay? So when you're lying to yourself like that, you're hurting yourself when you do this. So don't do this. Be honest with yourself. And if you genuinely love what you're doing, then keep going and you can skip the rest of this podcast <laughs> because we're talking more to people who are in a place that they're not happy with and we're going to go to that happy place of theirs, right? So the second thing, okay, the second choice you have, if you hate it, if you hate what you're doing right now, you can always quit. In fact, 
depending on how detrimental your present situation is to your physical and mental health, quitting is a very valid and realistic option, no matter where you are in life. In his book, Dying for a Paycheck, How Modern Management Harms Employee Health and Company Performance and What We Can Do About It, Jeffrey Pfeiffer, or Pfeiffer, anyway, PhD of the Stanford Graduate School of Business, said certain types of workplace conditions may actually result in, yes, premature death. <laughs> so that's as bad as it gets, right? Among those conditions, he listed facing high work demands, shift work, so working day, evening, nights, in or just working nights or whatever, working long hours, family to work and work to family spillover conflict. We all know how hard it is today to to uh, to make your job fit in well with your your family's needs so all these things can result in very very high stress and this can result in <laughs> premature death okay here's a short clip we're going to share with you guys from world-class speaker les brown who addresses the subject of your job might be killing you so here's where, what Les Brown had to say on the matter. Listen to this. Listen to this. I want to share this with you. I've always said some job is better than no job at all. Guess what? I was wrong. A study has come out. Listen to this. Having a bad job is worse than no job for mental health reasons in many cases. Listen to this. Listen, I want you to think about this. A new study shows that having no job may make you happier than having a job that is demanding, unstable, and thankless. Did you hear what I just said? Wow. Just think about this. A study shows, and I agree with this 100%, that, that a study shows that having no job may make you happier than having a job that is demanding, unstable and thankless researchers tell time.com that that it was a long-held belief that having any job would make a person happier than being unemployed that turns out to be true if you move into a high quality job but taking a bad job is detrimental to mental health now I worked on bad jobs for a long time this is why I need some help right now <laughs> problems you can tell i got problems okay listen and some of y'all joining me right now listen australian national university researchers found that poor quality jobs those with high demands low control over decision making high job insecurity and effort rewarding imbalance had more adverse effect on mental health than unemployment Wow. So what does this mean? Does a job that you enjoy, doing a job that you enjoy and are passionate about makes you healthy? Being in a job that you don't like and are stuck in affects your mental well-being. Now, this is not a revelation. This is true. You know it's true. 
That's why you go in certain places, people look stressed out. You can tell by the texture of their skin. They're morbidly obese. You can tell. You can tell. I, I remember I blew up to like over 260 pounds. I hated my job. And they hated me. You, you got to go where you're celebrated and not where you are tolerated. All right, we're back. I love how the clip ends where Les Brown says, you should go where you are celebrated and not where you are tolerated. Amen to that. I love it. Exactly. And now, speaking of where you're tolerated or if you are tolerating your job, I'd like to address those who tolerate a job they hate for the sake of their family. I've heard many people who are hell-bent on keeping a job that is hurting their well-being for the sake of their family. While this may be noble and responsible, it's not very wise. How will you help your family if you lose your health or your sanity? Will you provide for them then? Who will be there for them if you get very ill and you're hospitalized? So, if you're staying at a job that you hate for your family's sake, you'd better think twice. You'd better be sure it's worth the risk. Think about it. Which is worse? Being unemployed for a while while you look for other employment or being hospitalized because of a heart attack due to stress or overwork? That's a rhetorical question, obviously. Which is worse is, is you being hospitalized or on stress leave or in depression. That hurts your family more than you being out of a job for a while while you're looking for something else, okay? Now, so we addressed if you hate it. There's another component if you hate your job. I mean, some, some of you guys listening to us right now, you might hate your job and you might be in an ideal situation where you can easily quit your job and find something else or, or start your studies or whatnot. For example, if, you, if you're, I don't know, 25 years old, 22 years old, you're still living with your parents, you're doing a job you hate, but if you quit, it won't hurt that bad because you don't have all those responsibilities. But some of you guys out there and, and, and women out there, you're in a situation where it's more delicate. You have more to think about. You might have a mortgage. You might have kids to take care of. So just saying I quit might not be ideal for you right now. It might hurt too much. So if that's your situation, there's also another option, okay? If you hate your job and you want to change, here's the other uh, option you have, and it's called transition. Transition is your third choice if you don't like what you're doing right now. Transitioning is less extreme than quitting and can take quite some time to achieve. This means, for example, going back to school part-time while you keep your job or starting your own business part-time while you keep your job. It could also mean asking your present employer to go from full-time to part-time while you maximize your efforts in another venture, whether it be schooling or starting a business. So if you choose to transition, you're going to have to arm yourself with patience because you know what? It might take quite some time for you to complete that transition. It may take years for you to achieve this difficult life transition. But in the end, 
all your effort will have been worth it. Transitioning is often the best choice for people who already have responsibilities like children or a mortgage or both. But, and that's a, it's a big but, if your job is killing you fast, my advice is quit it fast. If your job is killing you fast, quit it fast, okay? Because your health is more important than the job. And um, I'll add also that um, we're not we're not encouraging you to go on social welfare. Uh, welfare, <laughs> no, welfare, welfare, no, 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 absolutely um, not. So that's not the idea. the The best way is to have something else waiting for you. So to apply for other jobs that you do want to do, or maybe like Sebastian said, you can start your own part time business. Um, there's uh, many different ventures that you can do. Um, we can also help you with that if you want to uh, go on our Facebook page thriving on purpose and you can message us and we uh, can help you sort that through but you don't want to cut cold turkey and not have anything else waiting for you ideally because um, that can put another kind of stress on you as well absolutely it's always better if you have a job already to apply to another job so you have something you're just gonna quickly uh, grow uh, go from one to the other but you if always have a plan. If your health is in danger, I'm talking physical or mental, just don't stay there. It's not worth it. It's not worth the price. Mm -hmm. And it, exactly. And you need to focus that energy. So that negative energy that you've been using to hate your job and to mope and to, to you know, see all the negative points of your job, you need to transition and get rid of that and then get to the positive mental state, work on your mindset to say, hey, you know, I'm worth more. I know I can do better and get yourself something better. So whether it be studying, you know, there's all kinds of different things. People just need to find out. There's a lot of schools that are government run that could offer, um, you know, uh, you know, if you do that program, some of them offer some money that the government will pay you while you study full, full time for these positions. Um, or you can just, you know, get a another job just a temporary job while you study what it is you love to do so there's a way to do it it, it of, of course it demands effort like you can't expect this transition to be easy but you have to think long term that in the end once the hard part is over that you've accomplished that you're going to be in a better state of mind you're going to be in a better state physically you're going to be you know happy again and peaceful and you'll sleep well at night and you'll have so many more years ahead of you that you're going to live a healthy life as opposed to, you know, doing something that eats away at you and yeah. makes you sick and you end up, you know, God forbid, you know, something ends up happening to yeah. you. So that brings us to number two. What would you love to do? The second question you need to ask yourself is the passion question. If you are not doing what you love, what would you love to do? And... As strange as it may seem, many people settle for doing something they don't like because they just haven't found what they would love to do. And I've talked to many people, many, many people, and I've asked them this question. And all they know is that their job, they don't like it. It's not what they thought they would do with their life. They kind of just went through the motions and opportunity presented themselves and they didn't know what else to do with themselves, with their lives. Mm -hmm. So they just got... You know stuck in this position that they never really you know planned out to go and and do that to start with 
So oftentimes these positions don't really fit you. They don't fit your skills. They don't fit the qualities you have. And, you know, people do it because it pays well or because, you know, it's just easier than starting over and going to study something new, you know. So they kind of go like, it's going to be in the meantime, but then they end up, you know, doing this for the next 10, 15 years going, I really hate this. The meantime becomes the like forever, really, because they just haven't figured out what they want to do, what they lo would love to do. They know what they don't like. They know they hate their job. They know what, what other, other jobs they would not like to do but they just haven't found that one thing that they would really love to do and that can really keep you stuck and i've also seen people do something that everybody else esteems as a great position yes and they convince themselves that they're at the right place because they're doing this thing that is going to help other people but in reality it's not the right fit for their skills and for their strengths and they don't have the patience to really do that position. So they're going through the motion saying, well, I'm doing this noble thing. I'm doing this this nice thing for, you know, everybody says it's great around me. My mom, my dad is are proud of me and everybody else sees this as a great thing. So, you know, I should be seeing it as a great thing. And yet most of them are miserable doing it and can't wait till Friday night just to, you know, quit that that job and they just live for the weekend and hate Mondays and you know just <laughs> dread it so I mean if you're in that position then probably it's just not the right fit for you it doesn't matter if it's a, a well-seen job a well-esteemed job if it's not the right fit for you you're not maximizing your potential yeah and, and remember the question is yeah what would you love to do not what would others love to see you do exactly right? so it's a purpose related question remember your purpose is most likely found at the intersection of what you love to do and what you are gifted to do so before you do what you love you have to answer this basic question of what is it you would love to do also always keep in mind that what you would love to do might be related with what you really hate and i know that sounds contradictory right but what do i mean exactly by that well for example you might hate violence towards animals so for example your calling might be something that has to do with helping or caring for animals that's an example or you might hate to see children suffering so your calling might be to become a great pediatric doctor or to open an orphanage or to create an organization that would help victims of child trafficking do you understand how sometimes what you hate what you really hate with a passion might be related to what you love so that's just a, another clue uh, to help you find what you might love to do exactly i know a, a dentist actually that really suffered from having a crooked mouth and he uh his parents didn't have the money to to fix his teeth and he went through all kinds of awkward stages and was made fun of at school and really felt bad about himself and didn't like who he was and and it affected his mindset it affected his uh you know peer pressuring years and all that and he decided to become a dentist and to help children um, that you know needed um, braces braces and orthodontists um, he decided to specialize in that and he's a very good specialist and so he's able to really see you know the 
like he's passionate about his work like you can see that he goes the extra level it's not just like yeah the, he's not mechanical about his work he's really passionate about it because it, it really hit home for him so he turned his pain into his passion to help other kids not have to go through that so basically he hated crooked teeth so much that he became an orthodontist i love it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah and the whole psychology behind that how it made him feel and he does and he, that's what he shared with me his story and told me you know i don't want any other kid to go through that and i i'm really passionate about this because of that mm. and that brings us to number three so the third question is can you do what you would love to do? This is the possibility question. So is what you want to do within the realm of possibility? I know we often hear motivational catchphrases such as, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. And that's been quoted oftentimes. While this sounds really, really good, it just isn't true. And I know I just burst a few bubbles out there, but it just isn't true. For example, if you're like me, a 45-year-old guy who's five foot eight inches tall, has never played football, and you live in Sweden, no matter how much you want it, no matter how much you dream for it, chances are you cannot, you cannot become an NFL player. Some things just aren't possible, okay? Secondly, that thing you want to do, are you good at it? I've used this illustration before many times, but I think American Idol auditions are a very good example of this. So many people show up thinking they're going to be the next big thing, and all they do is screech for three minutes. They're just not any good. You know, if you love to do something you're not good at, it's not a calling, it's a hobby. So get those two things straightened out. That's very important. So that thing you want to do, can you do it? Can you do that? Are you good at it? Are you gifted at it? Is it possible? Yeah, because, you know, the other question that was before that was, um, about loving what you are you passionate about it do you love what you do and a lot of people will, will mistaken um, like a hobby that they love like something they're passionate about but it's not really something that they can monetize because they're not that good at it but they love it yeah so for example you can really really love cooking but your skills are not that great not in not good enough for you to be able to executed on a YouTube video and show people how to do the steps and it be you know this wonderful thing that everybody can reproduce and have the same result like you might you might love to cook you might love to do it but making it into a skill where you can monetize is not possible mm -hmm. so like um, John Maxwell said it was funny because he was saying I love to golf I love golfing but I'm not any good at it. Like I'm not to the skill set that I could monetize, that I could be the next Tiger Woods. I'm just really not that good at it. But I love it. He's passionate about it. He loves doing it in his spare time. In other words, he knows he wouldn't be able to make a living at it. Exactly. So there, there's that, that thin line that you really have to analyze and look at. 
you know, I love singing, but I'm not a, a professional singer. And I know I won't be a professional singer, even if I love singing, and I love music. Like you have to be realistic with yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of, because, you know, even especially if you are an entrepreneur or you're a creative person, then oftentimes if you're very artistic, there's more than one thing you're passionate and you love to do. And so that makes it a little harder to figure out at, at times because you're like, well, I'm good at that. I'm good at this. I, I love this. I love that. So what is the thing I'm supposed to do? Right? Yeah. And guys, it's it's okay to have hobbies. I mean, it, that's perfectly fine. You can have things that you love to do that you're not super good at. And that's fine. And you know what I think in this in this point, it's really, really important to apply the action step. So if you have two two things that you really... Uh, would love to do and you're like I don't know which one to choose you could also try both and you know do one main thing and one side thing and then see what you're good at because sometimes it's hard to figure out where your skills where your skills are the strongest because there might be two things you really love doing yeah and oftentimes if you're really good at something you'll get confirmation from your entourage from your friends from your family from strangers telling you wow you're really really good at this could you make one for me or could you help me with this I see you, you you did that and you're really really good could you could you do it for me I would pay you like th those kinds of comments give you a really good clue as okay this this is this is a good I'm on the good path the right path here so number four Liz do you know people who do what you would love to do this is the who do you know question if you know anyone who is doing what you would love to do, arrange to meet with them. Set up a meeting with them. Ask them questions. Ask them what the challenges and rewards are. Buy their books if they wrote a book. Look on YouTube to seek interviews with people who are doing what you want to do. All of these things will give you tremendous insight into what you are aiming for. It makes it more real. It fleshes out your dream in a palatable way. It pushes you to take a step towards taking action. These meetings that you will set up with these, I guess we could call them mentors, could change your life by kindling a fire in your heart that will be unquenchable until you get to do what you love. And this is very a very, very powerful point because I've seen for myself and I've heard a lot of stories of people saying, I really want to do what you're doing. I know I could do this. I know I'd be great at it. And I'd love for you to mentor me. I just want you to coach me and teach me how to do what you've done. Because if the person's done it, then you know they've experienced the fruit of it and they know exactly the steps that you need to take and they can coach you in the right direction. And it's, you know, there was a, a guy that I had a conversation with, um, several conversations, and he was really searching for himself and um, he, he was a painter and the work that he created was really beautiful, but he couldn't find a way to... to marketed in a certain way that people were buying it like he, he had a hard time tapping in to the right kind of audience that was going to purchase it and there was all kinds of different things that he was really having a, a difficult time with and he questioned himself and he's like but I love to do this this is this is who I am I love painting and his paintings were very nice and so we had conversations and stuff and I didn't I didn't work with him one-on-one -on -one with branding I, I just gave him a few um, marketing tips here and there and you know basically we worked on 
trying to figure out who his target audience would be. And then it sort of stayed like that as uh, our conversation ended. And I asked him a few months later, a few weeks later, how are you doing? What's going on with you? And how's business and everything? And he said, oh, I'm so thrilled. I'm so happy because I found the exact person, the exact mentor that does exactly what I do in in the um, in the painting industry. Like he's an artist and he's built a business out of that and he was ready uh, to mentor that, that man. And so he's been just so happy that he found him because he found finally somebody that went through the exact steps that he needs to go through to have that success and i was so happy for him yes you know so it's you know it's about you know also as a coach you know who can you help and how you can help them and sometimes there's some somebody else that's that is better suited for that person because they've gone through the exact steps the person needs to. So this is really, really important to really find somebody that can mentor you that's done what you wanna do. Yeah, remember, when the student is ready, the master will appear. So that brings us to number five. Will you pay the price to do what you love to do? Now that's a very important question. Because as many people do not know, there always is a price to pay. So this is the reality question. Whatever you choose to do, there will be a price to pay. You have to ask yourself if you're willing to pay the price up to the last penny. Yeah, up to the very last penny. Uh, When I chose to become an author and and speaker, I was willing to pay the price, okay? Uh, But I was also, on the same token, what you could call ignorance on fire when, when you you first meet up with that purpose and 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 this is what you want to do and you know you're, you're gifted and you, you know you can do this there's a lot of stuff there's a big learning curve there's a lot of stuff you just don't know but you're like oh, i'm willing to do anything and, and that was my case uh, i was willing to pay the price physically mentally and even financially and you know what i did i paid the price but the price has been higher than I first expected. In fact, at times the price was so high that, that I would have breakdowns. Like it, it did happen to me that, that it, it, I just got so exhausted, so tired, so discouraged that I would cry. It can get you to that. It can be that hard. Uh, I, I, got, I got some moments of, of very... Um, big discouragement i would get completely discouraged depressed even not wanting to go on but you know when the vision pulls you when that love for what you want to do is so strong you get back up these things happen but you get back up and that's that's where you see that's where you realize you know what i am willing to pay the price i am willing to go the distance and uh, I'm going to keep going. And, and I once told Elizabeth, I remember that, and I'm sure she does too. I said, you know what? As crazy as this sounds, even if this kills me, I don't know what else I would do. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that, even if it kills me, because what else am I going to do? So when you're at that point, when, when, you, you, when you desire something so, so much, well, you know you're on the right track. You know it's only a question of time that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, right? Because what else are you going to do? Yeah, and there's two things here I want to mention in that point that he talked about. You know, there's the, 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 the part that he just said is really, you know, when your calling is so strong inside of you, when your purpose is so strong, 
you just can't picture yourself doing anything else than doing what God designed you for. So even if you're stuck in that other position that you're in, maybe you're doing something else that you're not called to do, another job that you don't like, that that calling, that purpose that you that you have inside of you is so strong that you're willing to do the extra work, even if it's hard, even if it demands a lot more hours to do, to put forth what it is that you're gonna end up doing whether it be writing a book, you know, like in Sebastian's case, you know, was a big sacrifice and was hard to do because he was already working full time and had children and had a lot of other things going on. And, you know, and there was other things, you know, that we've been doing. So it's always been like, you know, that position, like as you're transitioning. So we're talking about the hard parts when you're doing the job that you don't really like to get out of there you have to sometimes put in those extra hours and that extra time, especially if you're doing something that's gonna launch you out as an entrepreneur, it's a little harder because you know, you're not going to trade one job for another job. It's really, you know, you putting forth everything, you starting out, you learning mm-hmm. everything, you putting forth all this time and effort to get the results you want so that you can leave that other job you don't like. So that's where we're talking about, you know, doing um, doing what you love is so passionate inside of you that it gives you that drive to do it, even if there's a price to pay and it's hard. Yeah, and uh, we remember, uh, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, uh, when you're aiming to do what you love to do, your vision pulls you. Now to that we could add, sometimes it pulls you kicking and screaming, other times it just drags you, but it pulls you nonetheless. And, and that's it, like I said, that there's times when it's gonna be very, very hard. Uh, but you're going to do it nonetheless. You're going to be willing to pay that price. And don't don't cop out because a lot of people that I talk to, they cop out. They say, oh, I can't. No, I can't do that. Like I'm already working 40 hours a week. I'm already, you know, taking care of my kids. And it's just like the right right away, they don't even have this yes mindset to I want to do this. It's a it's a possibility for me. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. You'd be surprised how you can stretch yourself um, to do what what it is you want to do when you're really driven and your purpose is pulling you. It's actually pretty amazing what you can accomplish. As opposed then. to yeah. you know having no purpose and going, oh, I'm gonna try this thing. Yeah, okay, maybe I can put like eight hours a week on this. Maybe yeah. you know. Well, you're not. If you're gonna talk like that and think like that, you're gonna stay in the same deadbeat job that you hate, and it's just gonna end there. But that said, obviously there's a price to pay. And it's always good to evaluate what that price to pay is. And, and Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 28 to 32, tells us these wise words to live by when we make the choice to pursue or to build something. Here's what he says. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off, and will ask for terms of peace. 
So that's just being wise. That's just calculating the cost. Can I do this? So we were talking about the possibility earlier. So in evaluating the price it's going to cost you, you have to look at different things to know if you can pay it. Number one, what is the price for your loved ones? Number two, what's the financial price? How much will you have to invest in this? Number three, it's the time price. How long will it take for you to presumably achieve success? And number four, the effort price. So how much effort, how much energy will this demand of you on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis? So that's how you calculate the price. So you have to ask yourself these questions. Exactly. And that brings you to number six. When can you start doing what you would love to do? So this is the practical question. When you have calculated the price and know that you're willing and able to pay it, get started. What's the point of waiting? Besides the more time you take before you begin, the more likely you will never begin. And that's a fact. So you want to write a book? Start writing. You want to become a speaker? Start speaking. Start small. Go to community centers. Go to uh, um, Rotary clubs. Go to Lions clubs. They all—they're always looking for speakers. You want to do YouTube videos? Well, start filming. Stop saying I want—I'm going to do YouTube videos. I'm going to do... no. Just—just just film yourself and put it on YouTube. You want to get married? Get engaged. You want to start a business? Stop talking about it. Begin. Many people aim forever. They go like, ready, aim, 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 but they never fire. Don't postpone until tomorrow. You will soon find out there is no tomorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul reminds us this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So, so this passage is interesting because it can have to do with people who, who are like waiting before they, they commit to Christ. Now is the, the day of salvation. But also, the day of God's favor, we're always thinking the time, the stars have to align perfectly for me to start this. Oh, no, it's not, now is not the right time. It's the fall. Uh, people are too busy in the fall. Or, oh, now is not the right time. It's the summer. People are in leisure mode in the summer. They like going to the beach. So they're not going to listen to my YouTube videos. Or, or we're going to say, oh, now is not the right time. It's it's winter and people are thinking about Christmas and, and, and celebrating with there their families. There is no perfect time. There's never <laughs> a perfect time time okay the perfect time is now so you have that that thing that you know you 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 want to do that you would love to do start today don't procrastinate procrastination is your enemy it is your enemy i like what paul martinelli used to say to himself he used to say do it now do it now do it now and i think it's and even john maxwell talks about that it's so powerful to say 
um, you know, I know I have to do this. I'm just going to do this imperfect action and I'll just learn as I go. I'm going to become better as I do it. And, you know, John Maxwell talks about that, how, you know, his first speeches were really not good. His first book was not that great. You know, we can't be perfect. We can't be great when we start out. No. So you have to, before you can be great, you have to become good, right? Yeah. So that's where you have to practice and practice. And, you know, for a lot of you, I mean, whether it be a podcast, whether it be YouTube channel, whatnot, what like be grateful that nobody's watching you for now, right? Because when you start out, you're not at your greatest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe if you, you make a crappy video and you post it on YouTube, uh, be grateful that there's only 13 people who viewed it <laughs> instead of 13,000, right? And, it, and it's funny because everybody that starts a YouTube channel is like, oh, I want to get tons of subscribers and a lot of views on my videos. So they're like preparing to prepare to prepare and getting ready to get ready to get ready to make it like so perfect. And in reality, there's no point in doing that because you still have to get good at it. So you still have to practice. It doesn't matter how good your channel looks, how much editing, how much software you buy or podcast equipment you still have to go through the emotions and still have to do the action steps yeah. to actually get good like i don't even want to listen to my first podcast because i know they're not good <laughs> they're just not any good <laughs> like i know like i had to learn from this and i had to do it a lot to get better at it much better so you know whatever it is that you're thinking of doing you're gonna have to practice you're gonna have to learn and you're gonna have to apply the action as you learn amen so not just learning learning and not doing it and and, and this reminds me of a story of, of when i uh, began studying for ministry for the longest time for like 20 years plus i felt a pull from god a call to go study ministry and i would always find an excuse always find procrastinators always have a great excuse or two or three so i always found an excuse I always find an excuse until god tugged at my heart and showed me a great uh, a great school online where i could study and i was like there was nothing stopping me i mean it, it was right there he, he had shown me where to go and and where to study and i was like well there's nothing stopping me now but i was still procrastinating trying to find an excuse and yeah, God you and, always can say, I don't have the time. And God, and God, you know what he did? Here's what he told me. And, I, and I, I'll remember that till dead. That was awesome. That was his voice. That was not mine. I have all the time in the world, but you don't. That's all he needed to say. As soon as I heard God in my soul speak these words, I went like, okay, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Okay? Many people live in a wonderful place called Someday Isle. I live in on, on an island myself, so, so I, know, I know how nice it can be to live on an island. So they live on Someday Isle. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. That's just procrastination in action. Ultimately, you decide. So, what's it going to be? What's it going to be today? One day or day one? That decision is yours. So are you going to start today or are you going to keep procrastinating? The best time to start is now. So as we reach the end of this podcast, let's just review the six questions, okay, for you guys. Question number one, this is the starting question. Do you love what you're doing now? 
Question number two. What would you love to do? So that's the passion question. Question number three. Can you do what you would love to do? This is the possibility question. Question number four. Do you know people who do what you would love to do? This is the who do you know question. Question number five. Will you pay the price to do what you love to do? This is the reality question. Question number six. When can you start doing what you would love to do? This is the practical question. So I hope you'll make that choice to start now on day one, create an action step, answer these questions, take the time to answer these questions. It might take you a little while to figure this out and that's okay, but do that, do, do those steps because you're going to have great results when you plan out um, how you're going to do this. And I'd love to hear um, how this podcast has impacted you to make changes in your life. Um, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com and click on the episode on the bottom. You can leave us your comments. Uh, you can also write to us through our uh, contact us or uh, you can also uh, go to our Facebook page, Thriving on Purpose, and write to us uh, through there. So we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you can do so through Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or even through our website, thrivingonpurpose.com. So we wish you a great week. Be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 